Welcome to the first ever episode of the Guernsey Press Politics Podcast. My name is Helen Bowditch, and every fortnight I'll be asking two guests to shoot the breeze with me in a chatty ramble through recent political going-ons in the island. This week I'm joined by someone very suited to the rough and tumble of politics. That's at Peterport Dusnier and Constable Zoe Liu. And my second guest is newbie deputy Steve Faller. Welcome to both of you. Thank you very much for being our guinea pigs today. Now, it's been a very meaty week of politics. We've heard about the potential regeneration of parts of town, plans to revitalise the Duzanes, and questions about the future of Liberation Day. But the biggest issue of the week has to be the renaissance of our harbours. Now, Steve, this was something that you flagged up that you wanted to speak about. Do you think it's good news for Guernsey? Of course, it has to be good news for Guernsey. We have to make it good news for Guernsey. Um, <clears throat> and I think... For me, uh, it's good news on a number of uh, different fronts. So, uh, one, um, the harbour is not fit for purpose now. Uh, And, you know, I I know that we are culturally change-resistant on the island, and I quite like that. Um, But I do think that there comes a time when when we have to embrace change. And if we're embracing it, we may as well embrace it for good uh, and make sure that the outcome of the changes is, is good for everyone, for the community and for the island and for the economy. So uh, the harbours are have been neglected for far too long um, and a lot of good work has been done uh, by the working party that's been looking at how we should move forward. And now, of course, we've seen the plans and I was lucky enough to be uh, at a, a briefing earlier this week where you know, went dug down into quite a lot of detail. And I've also read the full report, which is very long. Well, yeah, I think I looked at it last night. It was about 258 pages. And I thought, oh, OK, I'm not going to I'm not going to make much impression to this tonight. It's what a ab- marathon. Yeah. What about you, Zoe? Were you excited about it? Horrified? Or? No, really excited. I mean, you know, like Steve just said, and Harbour Master and agreeing with everyone who's saying, you know, it's been, you know, nearly 200 years since we've done anything significant. There's been tickling around the edges, you know, car parks here and stuff and reclamation of land. But in terms of making what is currently a hybrid disaster, it's not a disaster, but a hybrid of commercial and passenger terminal, the two don't collide. I feel like I am freight, which I am when I'm on my way to French France. I kind of go in, I I don't feel like my holiday experience starts until my wheels come off the railroad on the other side in St Marlow. And I think it's about giving people that experience and it's dovetailing in with other things that's going on in the island. We need to improve and we need to be fortifying ourselves for the next 200 years. This isn't people are, you know, panicking, oh my God, 20 million, 30 million, 300 million for five or 10 years. It isn't a short-term project. This is for longevity so maybe in 200 years' time, there'll be a group of people sat having a podcast or whatever it is then going, oh, I think it's time we re- we did something. Because the cost is something that's obviously been highlighted. I think, what is it, the option five is 360 million, something like that, and can we afford it at this time? You get to a point where you're talking such fat numbers, people are relating it to what they maybe earn themselves or what their property is worth. Because that's, you know, that's the only way you can manage it with, with your brain. And then you kind of go, well, hang on, 300 million to 700 million over a 100-year investment. If you looked at it as a long 50 to 100-year, suddenly that scary fat number is a bit more palatable. And if it's made and done correctly, I think it's going to really return a good investment for the island in fiscal and non-fiscal terms. 
Do you think the bridge is would be a nice place for sort of yachties and alfresco dining? And when I go to the bridge, I quite like the sort of there's a sort of a rawness to it there that I quite like. Do you think that that atmosphere would would be lost? I think I think I've got a vision for the bridge uh, now that it's been um, you know certainly aided by this possibility through through the harbour plan. And so if the bridge can become largely a leisure marina, then obviously that aids enormously the possibilities of what could be done with Leo's Yard. And also, as we move forward in terms of our um, the way that we procure our energy, if we decommission the power station, get rid of those ugly chimneys, the whole area could be amazing. And, there, and, and also, we're providing extra land through the new harbour so we can move some of the sort of dirty industry further away from the bridge. Mm-hmm. I think it, you know, I, I, I kind of get what you say, but I, I'm not sure I buy into the quaintness of what's there now. Um, you know, what's there now is there now. And, uh, you know, we have to, you know, we don't want to talk it down because people live there and people work there. And, uh, you know, it has its own charm, but I think it could have a much greater charm uh, under the new scheme. Well, yeah, it'd be nice to live at Leo's Yard and have a, you know, and have a view of that, wouldn't it? It would just sort of transform that whole area. Well, you think of what's there at the moment um, in terms of facilities and retail outlets, which would obviously change by building something like Steve saying, alluding more towards a, a leisure area. You're going to the ripple effect of that is then benefiting the economic rejuvenation of the retail and living spaces, and it will attract a certain type of retail which kind of sits well and fits in with the industries that are there and and the users of the area so I think it's really exciting and I think it's got something's got to change we can't just sit still as we are and I heard a really interesting comment it it was on Radio Guernsey I think it was Stuart Fallow who's on the STSB and he sort of said look if government isn't confident about the future how do we expect uh, the community to be confident about the future. So it, it would send out a huge signal to people, wouldn't it, that, look, we think that Guernsey is is a great place to invest in. Well, and let's not forget, the word infrastructure implies that the harbour is of critical importance to our survival. And of course it is. That's where we get most of our food, or the, you know, the vast majority of the things that we consume on the island. And that's not going to change. Um, so we need to make it as efficient, safe, and pleasant as possible. Uh, but, but, but also, if you own a property, you're not going to let holes appear in the roof and then still 50, 100 years later, they're still there. You know, you have to maintain uh, your, what you've got. And we've not been very good custodians of that asset. So um, now's the time to play catch up. And it is going to be a big bullet to bite. And we're not sure quite where the money's going to come from. Um, but, you know, there are various ways of, of skinning that particular cat. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the really good thing about it is that most of the work that will need to be done will be able to be done locally. And so the spend will stay on Ireland. And that's something I'm also very keen on. Excellent point, actually, and, and vitally important that this isn't this is you know taxpayers' pounds raised by taxpayers then being reinvested back in the island. Absolutely right. Um, it would be very disappointing to see excessive consultants from UK if we can not get away with it, but if we can avoid where possible. And I think actually, states' assembly, whichever way they vote, they will be under more scrutiny. Keep hearing scrutiny, openness and transparency at parish level, at island-wide voting level and now at political level. And people are more savvy and more in tune with what's going on. They're peeling back the curtain and going, well, I'm interested in that now. And there's so many more ways, you know, podcasts like this, media, people are being more informed. So I think there'll be a tougher job 
uh, from and more pressure from the public on the spend and the outcome. It's quite a joined up plan as well. You know, the idea of burying two levels of car parking below North Beach. Now, I'm glad I don't have to sort out how you do that from an engineering point of view, but, uh, you know, that that is built into the, the scheme, now uh, the favoured scheme. And I think um, that's it's great to have grasped that particular nettle at the same time. I just wish we could have perhaps gone even bigger and done the seafront enhancement as, as all as part of the same thing. Maybe had another car park at Havlet and that tunnel uh, along the seafront so that uh, we can actually properly use the St Peterport seafront as well. Imagine that. So then we'd get both our harbours uh, being very pleasant places to be and, um, and both of our towns, if you like, if you want to call the bridge a town, um, being really attractive. All right, well, staying in town, should we segue into the town regeneration plan? So this is for places like Mill Street, Mansell Street, the South Esplanade, Mino Plateau, uh, the Pollock, Lower Pollock, yeah. And the, this is something you're particularly interested in, isn't it? Zoe? Yeah, I am. And I think there's a real opportunity. And again, it's this joined up thinking. We can't just look in isolation at the harbours and the seafront and then go, oh, should we have a little think about, you know, Mansell Street and all these places? We have to look at what's the current pain points with these areas now what do people want to have happen um, I would love to see pedestrianise move the taxi rank and have it as a place of interest and have interesting nuggets and little gems in the town area and you know, where we've got some areas we'd rather not have um, sort of um, upper sort of lower Mansell Street as it goes into Mill Street there it's just neglected and like Steve was saying, you know, we haven't may not have been the best custodians of the harbours, we be, you know, all the assemblies, but I don't think the people who currently own some of those properties are being very good custodians either. And that has a negative ripple effect because then you start to get uh, dumping of stuff, you then start to get graffiti, you then start to get... It is broken windows policy. We've got to tidy up. And there's a real opportunity to build little cultural um, and just social areas where people can go and enjoy and benefit the freedom that we've been afforded in this island. And Steve, I met you once in town, didn't I? Because you had just done a little sort of your own survey of all the, the vacant properties in, in town. And you got a lot of feedback on that, didn't you? There was. I mean, I wasn't the first to raise it. I was probably the latest to raise it. Uh, it was it was a back of a fag packet type of exercise, really. But um, And it was also at the end of lockdown or towards the end of lockdown. So in a way, the emptiness was exacerbated by the fact there weren't very many people around. Um, however, it did kind of bring issues back to the surface. Uh, some of my political colleagues who've been in the States for a while have wrestled with this and continue to do so. And, you know, it's not off the agenda. Um, and I think for me, it's all tied in with the housing crisis as well. Uh, and so all of these different issues tend to conflate when we start to sit down and think about them. Um, so we, we, we'd love to see more people being able to live in town. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it could be a very nice place to live. And I, I, I think... There have been certain blockers to that in the past. We're now getting more cross-committee discussions about trying to perhaps, um, you know, remove some of those. I was interested. I, I read there was something about in there about the Mino Plateau, and it said they'd done a survey of young people, and young people didn't even know there was a Mino Plateau or something. And then, and then I realised, well, it's a car park, so of course, why why would they know? And it's such a beautiful. It's beautiful up there, isn't it? Excellent views. Um, and yes, that would be lovely. And there was talk of having uh, converting that building and 
having a, a lift, was it a lift or a, something really crazy, like an outside lift on the back? I think a climbing wall's more fun. Um, but I think multi-purposing areas, so buildings that are then closed and aren't doing anything in the evening if the office workers or whatever have gone, having that then have another function, whether it's there's a living wall there, whether there's um, sensory areas. And we, t- you know, we talk a lot about mental health since lockdown version one, version two, and let's hope we don't have a version three or, or more to come. But giving people nice, safe places, um, which can just be frequented. So you're going to town for a reason, not out of necessity, but out more of a want. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the moment, with the declining retail units, I mean, there's more empty probably, I think, Steve, from when you did your article, I would say, is a few more have gone. Oh, really? Well, High Street, you think um, the Arcadia group, Dorothy Perkins, yeah. Burton Group, all of those, they've all kaputted. It's really sad when you see a place like Dorothy Perkins that used to be, you know, when we were yeah. kids and that, we were going there every Saturday, wouldn't we? I'm still crying over Woolworths, Helen. I'm, <laughs> st- I'm still grieving the loss. I'm, I'm not quite ready yet to I remember the, the posters way. at the back of Woolworths and then going in and, yes. it's, and all the, 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 you know, all the CDs up on the wall and, yeah. I used what you to... couldn't get from Woolworths, you absolutely didn't need. Uh, yeah, is the way to think about it. Yeah. But do you know the great news is that when lockdown did finish, the second lockdown, people returned to town very quickly and in quite num- some numbers. So uh, the Economic Development Committee has supported the uh, Guernsey Retail Group in trying to keep things going and make uh, allow some vibrancy and everything else in certain ways. And you know we're, we're really uh, encouraged to see how that recovery has come about quite so quickly. Yeah, because I feel like I've forgotten about social distancing and signing and uh, sanitizer. Public health would be horrified, I've said that, but um, that's just the reality, isn't it? So another thing that's been perhaps in the headlines this week is about the Dozanes. There's some plans afoot to maybe sort of give a bit more, perhaps a bit more power back to the Dozanes because they got sort of defenestrated in recent years, didn't they? Yes. Uh, what's happened is Heidi Salisbury and her team on the Dozane Liaison Group have cobbled everyone together. So we've had a, our first presentation where they've set out their stall in terms of where they think we can have um, greater efficiencies across Dozanes. And when you talk about sort of maybe delegating back to Dozanes some sort of exception planning items, which I think dovetails then in with trying to improve the offering or making things less contentious uh, in terms of planning permissions and sort of repurposing. So small small options, which are currently clogging up the arteries of planning applications, where they feel Duzanes themselves and the at a parish level have a greater understanding of the use of areas and, and have more of an input. Um, so that could work. My only issue with delegating anything to a group of volunteers is skill sets. So we've got 10 parishes of differing sizes, different skills, different capabilities. I would be worried about a one-size-fits-all because there just may not be the resource or the bandwidth in much smaller design. So all of that has to be thought about. But the good news is it's been thought about. Uh, The meeting was very positive. Um, Everyone, I think, nearly everyone in the room has put themselves forward to be part of this working group. So it's, (laughs) And I think they're trying to make it small. Um, But, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. I mean, we're busy enough in St Peterport evolving into the uh, digital world from an account side, from trying to get live feeds going and stuff like that. So I think everyone's working hard. Everyone's up their game. Are you not worried, though, that it's... Is there a sort of sense that it's sort of the government trying to dump things onto the sort of grass... onto the grassroots level? Yeah, I mean, again, it comes down to be careful what you wish for. 
because I think the people who are still crying at the loss of not being represented in the Assembly, well, if you want to be represented in the Assembly, it's quite simple, folks. 2025, there's going to be another election. If you want to do parochial volunteer work and be maybe that closer to your community and add back some value and skills, then that's what you do within the design. Um, I would be happy, I would sleep easily at night either way, whether we had more responsibility and we had the capability and the knowledge and skills to do it. And if we actually delegated stuff back to HQ... There's lots more efficiencies on um, IT front, on um, payment collections, games, all of those matters. If you've got 10 individual offices doing it, it kind of doesn't make sense. And Steve, you're interested in this one as well, aren't you? Well, what I'm interested in is ensuring that the parishes maintain a sense of identity. And, and they do have that. And we saw that on Liberation Day um, as a very recent example. I live in St Andrews, very small parish. Um, I know the designers and, and I know the, uh, the constables and I, you know, I, I've always taken an interest in local parish politics. I personally chose not to go down that particular route. Um, but I, I think they're really important in terms of preserving that individual identity that each of the parishes have. I'm uh, a little bit sceptical about how much work they can take on because I know what it's like with volunteers uh, and, and, and no disrespect to any of the people involved. Many of them give up hours and hours and hours every month. Um, but, you know, do they really want more? Uh, and, and, um, and also, you know, Parkinson's law will then operate so that, um, I think as Zoe really suggested, once you start taking on some things, that, that workload then grows and, you know, how do you, how do you resource it from a volunteer force? Um, and also, I think there needs to be consistency. So you can't have, I mean, the, the, you know, I, I, I get it. If the, if the planning uh, elements are relatively small, then maybe that's not such a problem. But you can't have inconsistency of decision-making across the different 10 parishes about planning, for example. Otherwise, you can have anarchy. So um, I, I, I do think that it's worth looking at. Um, I, I'm all for engagement. I think it's really, really important and communication and that's listening as much as speaking. And so I think um, any way in which the main assembly can keep the lines open with the, with the parishes is really, really good. Because I suppose under island-wide voting, parishioners don't know so much now who, which deputy to contact. It, well, I mean, for you, you're very sort of identified with St Andrews, but... Um, but but now I don't know someone in the Vale who had some sort of parochial issue. Perhaps they go to the design more than 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 the than a deputy. Yeah, I think so. And I think that what we've discovered through reviewing in the last few months since I've taken office is the kind of inquiries we get and how relevant they are. We got an awful lot of queries which are actually outside of the remit of the parish you know so we're actually having to or say we the office staff are doing a very good job in signposting people but that then tells me there is a lack of understanding and education of what the role of the design is somebody goes on you know i've got a dodgy wall you know obviously dangerous walls comes under us streams and hedges the things were typically thought to be connected with and dog taxes and bits and pieces like that liquor licensing and what have you but when it comes to you know my rubbish is strewn across the road or it hasn't been collected there's a separate group of people to call. So we are trying very hard within our parish to educate the masses by our drop-ins, by upgrading our website and engaging with people. As Steve said, engagement's really important. Um, and that's what we're trying to achieve, um, just to up things.
Because all and, and and I've been to your St Peterport Parish drop-ins, and everyone is so friendly. And I I, I sort of think twenty years ago the Dozanes it was sort of the the red trousered brigade, really, wouldn't they? But now everyone is much more uh, you know approachable. I find salmon slacks, Helen. Is that what it's salmon slacks and a polo shirt of a certain brand? Yes, quite possibly. Um, and I don't know if you'd seen it, but um, if I was looking at any the other day, our picture of the design as was in nineteen hundred cracking picture all blokes bit of diversity I one saw it on your facebook oh actually. yeah yeah the yeah, one yeah. guy with the well, one's got a beard and most of them have got mustaches so there's your diversity in 1900 uh, how we've come along and changed and yeah we we couldn't you know we need people to be diverse as in the group needs to be diverse because that's reflective then of the community we serve in the same way steve and his colleagues and if the assembly was salmon slacks and polo shirts or whatever the the uh, outfit du jour is um it wouldn't work um, and again, I think there's a more cohesion and people are seeing that working together that people have talked about at the assembly level. And all we're trying to really do at parochial level is replicate that. And we're all using the same language, openness, transparency, uh, engagement, scrutiny at a parochial level and at a wider assembly level. And I think the public are buying into that now. They're, they're feeling they can trust a bit more, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you mentioned diversity uh, there, so it might be a good a good point to mention that letter. And I know it was it was a couple of weeks uh, ago now, but you pretty much went viral, didn't you? Because you posted on Twitter uh, something about it, and you had a massive reaction, didn't you? I did, quite surprisingly. I don't really get Steve can explain impressions and clicks and engagements and things, but you know, I got over one hundred ninety thousand impressions and about over ten thousand engagements. I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, But yeah, I mean, I wasn't hurtful to the author at the time. I was trying to calm the waters. People were losing their minds, left, right and centre. And And was your phone, was it pinging all day long? uh, Yes. Uh, and I kept sort of liking stuff and I, my boss, Di, made a comment. I said, I've got a question. She went, oh, is it about Twitter? I was like, ah, yes, <laughs> about that. Because obviously every time I'm pinging something, it's pinging on hers as well. So, um, no, it was, just, it, was, it was nice that people were engaged. Some people were losing their minds and taking it very personally. Everyone assumed it was written by a bloke until that had been... I was like, well, how do you know it's not a woman? And actually, we need to hunt that traitor <laughs> because... Um, yeah, and it was just, it sparked Would that debate. have been worse? Oh, been God, can you imagine? Well, th- I mean, there's internalised mis- misogyny. and uh, Yeah, but, but yeah, oh. you're right. When I come across that in women, it, it, if, for me, it, it's much worse. But than... it's almost worse that we kind of went, oh, people went, oh, I bet it's written by a man. I went, well, what if it's not? And it doesn't make it any better. Well, I suppose that doesn't make it worse. I don't know. I think it's, as I said in uh, some of my recent um, posts and things, it's, you know, people like that with those kind of views, they exist. And they're brave enough to share their views. That's fine. Um, The good news about it is they are not everywhere. And they are the minority. And it it was a good opportunity for different groups, um, women in public life and other female groups and professional working groups, to say, hey, this isn't actually right. Um, I think for me, as a parent, but a friend of many um, uh, friends, girlfriends who've lost babies and not being able to have babies the most offensive thing I think you can assume is that women only wish to procreate and that they can I, as a woman even though I say I have children uh, I find that the most offensive thing in his letter and I think that's the most hurtful because that would be something that women can't control what, what did you think Steve did you think the Guernsey Press was right to publish the letter 
I do think the press is right to publish it. Uh, and I do think that, you know, we live in a democracy, people are entitled to express their opinions and others will um, then comment, which is what's happened. Uh, so it's, it's healthy debate, really, in some ways. However, I mean, it's quite clear that the, the individual who wrote the letter, who I probably suspect is, is of a older generation, um, <clears throat> even though I'm 60 myself, so... <laughs> um, but, but, you know, times have moved on, and, and I think that, 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 that correspondent appeared to be very out of line with current thinking. Um, uh, but, you know, that they, they still clearly have that view, and they, they need, felt the need to express it. You know, you could argue that if everyone's just writing into the paper or agreeing with each other, then there's not much point having a you know letters page in a way. Um, so it's part of the rough and tumble of of, of that kind of particular um, channel of communication. Um, but yes, I mean, it, you know, clearly, I think the the correspondent will, will have been left in no doubt that that they're not <laughs> their view isn't shared by the majority. Yes, I feel a bit sorry for that person when they're at the co-op or whatever. <laughs> Yes, so hopefully there haven't been uh, wanted posters up about them. But no, I think, again, I agree with all that, it's the healthy debate that it sparks. But also, they were brave enough to put their name to it. And that, that's yes. a really key point, particularly... Yeah, if they in... hadn't put their name to it, yeah, yeah, that would have been a whole, something completely different, yeah. And it's the right. It's the right to have your say. And whilst we may not agree with it in the majority or minority, doesn't matter. As you say, they had a right to be heard and share their views. I'm just upset that... Uh, the, the, the Guernsey Press hasn't taken me up on my push to give C. Davy his own column. I'd love to read that <laughs> once a month. Uh, but we have Horace Camp. Uh, I'd still, no, it's not the same. Not the same. I, th I still think C. Davy could share their wise words. And just because I think it sparked so much debate the first time around, I'd love to hear his views on, wow. Well, he has a he has a, a really interesting way of writing. That it was very sort of prosaic and very, that, it, it, you know, if I read you a line to it about the the thing that really struck me was it where it says, um, you know, bringing comfort to those who not only require it but are entitled to it. So I'm going to start <laughs> saying that when I want my slippers. You know, I, I require them. I'm also entitled to them. I told the men in my house. <laughs> Make no mistake. And they were like, oh, is this a new regime? I said, no, I don't think so. Um, but again, it was, a, it was an easy read. You know, it was a very fluid. I, I would love to hear his views on other things. I think it could be magical. Well, I'm not sure if uh, that would be... I mean, I'm very low down the totem pole of power, but I'm, pre I, I'm pretty sure that C. Davy will, will not be offered a, uh, a column. Um, Disappointing. <laughs> I'll speak to James on the way out. Yeah. Well, moving on to a lighter subject, um, and I know the Liberation Day, it's sort of in our rearview mirror uh, right now, but, but there's been some questions about, you know, what's going to happen now to the future of Liberation? days because it was a very different day last Sunday can I ask how you uh, how you marked it uh, I marked it um, by I went to church in the morning um, and then I went to the last post in St Andrews where where there were uh, there was a lot of music I saw some photos there was lots of people there wasn't there there were, yeah. there were a lot of people um, and we had uh, a sort of acoustic stage um, unplugged type music at the front and then the Vale Earth Fair put on a very good selection of bands at the back and it just seemed to be, it was incredibly good-natured, incredibly laid back, uh, lots of people out and about. Um, you know, the, weather, the rain held off mostly. Um, it was great. That's how I, how I had mine. Did you miss the town piers, though, and your sort of, your annual game of crown and anchor and a pint? The, there was crown and anchor, actually, <laughs> uh, in, oh, in the back of the last and not that I indulged. Mm. Um, but um, I haven't really been to town for some years, uh, 
I, I've been a couple of times to watch my sons in different bands that they've been playing in on the piers. Uh, but then for a brief time, really, I've, I've not hung out in town uh, for quite a long time, other than when there have been royal visits. And, um, you know, that that's, that's, the town's great for those. And I think, you know, I think it's about maybe we've settled into a nice rhythm of you know, a smaller celebrations across the island, which seem to be, I mean, they're a lot healthier than the kind of day off to get very drunk, um, you know, and, and really that be, be quite a long way away from the point of Liberation Day. So, um, you know, it happened to be on a Sunday this year. We didn't have a holiday the next day. The jury's out on whether that was a good or bad thing. I would have liked a holiday. Well, well, I mean, everybody likes a holiday. Um, My own view is, you know, businesses had suffered quite a bit with lockdown. I think to have another day of no trading might not have been great uh, for them. But um, no, I mean, I I, I quite like what it's become. And I think when there's another big one, uh, which will now be the 80th, of course, the the next one, I guess, um, we could think about, you know, how town is used. But... um, you had a good day. What did you do, Zoe? Uh, I went to town church for a lovely service, the Lib Day, and then made my way home. And we hosted um, some people at our house till early mid- mid-evening. But it was nice. And one of my neighbours who um, lives on her own, she's I invited her over. And she said, oh, I don't really want to come. I don't do big crowds. So part of the day was then me doing plating up food and sending that to the, some of our neighbours that live on their own. So I think you're right. It's nice to see people celebrating in bigger numbers but in smaller groups and when you talk about going to town typically if, you know from an accessibility issue with children and a dog and stuff you know it's just a can be a crush of people um and i think now with the seafront sundays that we've been having for the last few years people are used to doing that as their little sunday walkabout mm-hmm. um and certainly i've been to in previous liberation days i've been up to st andrews and they shut the road in the last place and it's all you know really good party theme and I think it makes it more accessible for families as well. Um, so people, like you say, you're moving away from, oh, let's just get drunk for a day and feel rough the next day, which isn't what it's about. Um, so maybe we've got an opportunity to, you know, re-educate and the younger the people. The cavalcade was a good way of yes. taking it to the parishes. So actually, you know, whatever the parishes put on in their own right was great, but the cavalcade linked the whole island together in that way. Yeah, everyone had glowing words for the cavalcade and it really sort of lifted everyone's morale, I think. And I think as well for people involved in the cavalcade, they got more of a journey out of it rather than, you know, standing or not standing, sitting around and waiting and just to kind of show your wares. And these people invest heavily their time and energy into keeping up the vehicles and the costumes and everything. Um, so they've also had a bit of a, you know, peacock moment and they've had a bit of an enjoyment from it, I think. So I think everyone's won on that count. Um, so we have to wait and see what happens next. All right, lovely. Well, thank you very much for being our first ever guests on the first ever Politics podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening at home or in the car, washing the dishes, whatever you're doing. Do give us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts from and make sure you hit follow and subscribe if you're listening on the Guernsey Press website. And I'll be back in a fortnight's time.